but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. I've been thinking about uh, this portion of Scripture, and I, I kept asking myself a question, what is Paul talking about? And especially because we're picking it up from here. And I, I started to look through Paul's life and his mission story. And uh, I came across this portion in, in the book of Acts, um, where he had come back to brethren in Jerusalem, and he was sharing stories of what God had done, and they were encouraged but after they had been encouraged, they also warned him. They told him, you know what's going on? A lot of Jews have heard about what you are actually doing, and they have learned that you're preaching against the law. And so you need to be careful. So quickly after that, he went to the temple, and somebody saw him and yelled out, and he was, you know, locked in some place, and they began to beat him up. They locked up the doors so they could beat him up to death. But lucky enough, somebody rescued him and uh, just chained him and took him away from the crowds. And that was just at that moment when his life was saved. But even while he was being taken up, the Bible says that he stopped at some point and spoke to uh, the person who was taking up to jail and said, can I please share something? And when... He had that. He, they gave him the chance, and he stood up and he started to speak to the people just so they can learn the truth, the truth about the gospel, the truth about what he has been sharing, the truth that they didn't um, want to hear. In spite of the fact that he had been beaten up, he still wanted to give them the truth. And so I was thinking about that and thinking about this first verse here. He says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer is that God will save them, that they may be saved. And I'm thinking, okay, if, I don't know if these are the people, he's, if he's talking about these people, what, what is he thinking? These guys wanted to kill you. You still want them to be saved. And I, I began to think about a story in my life growing up. One morning when everything was fine in the family, one morning, we woke up, I remember, very excited, we're going to school, went to school, and uh, at about five hours in the day, my sisters picked me up from school, and they, told, they just came, they didn't tell me anything, because I'm the youngest in the family, and so nobody tells you stuff when you're the youngest, everybody just tells you what to do, don't ask questions, follow, and especially when there is about nine or eight or elders, you know, it's like, okay, you cannot, you just have to listen and follow. So I get home, and there's just this whole cloud of darkness. Everybody's so sad, and there's this, all this crying. And all I had to do was to just be quiet and listen to what is going on. After some time, I realized that that morning, we had gone different ways. My dad had traveled to the village because they called him and told him that there was a land dispute that needed to be sorted out only to realize that it was actually not a land dispute. Some of his siblings planned to kill him so they can take away the land. And it was then that he was killed. And I began to think about that. I thought about the fact that these guys who killed my dad are still there. And I began to think about what Paul was thinking. And many years later, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. 
But that question still came to my mind. Would you pray that these people will be saved so that they can keep living after they killed your dad? And they also want to kill you because you are a potential threat. You could still take the land. They want to kill you. Do you want to pray that they will be saved? And that is a question that I was thinking about in my life. Paul here says that it's his prayer and desire that they will be saved. Such a great passion and such a challenging statement and challenging words for me as I was just thinking about them. And when you continue to read there, he says that, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Um, and in my life, one of the very interesting things, and I've shared my story a bit, um, and there was a time when, time after time, we were going for burial. And I was either losing a cousin, a brother, or a parent, and we were going for burial. And there was this song that we kept singing again and again. And, and a part of it just goes like, And just in case you're wondering, it means, let me come to you, Jesus. Let me come to where you are. Wash me with your blood that is more precious than all. Beautiful song. But because the only time I had that song was at a funeral. One time I walked into a church and they were singing that song. I said, these people are nuts. This is a funeral song, not a church song. You don't sing this song in a church. And that is what I knew because of my life growing up. And when you read this portion of scripture, he says that I bear them witness for they have a zeal. I was zealous to make sure that, okay, you cannot sing this song. I thought I knew what I was talking about. This is a funeral song. It is not a church song. And these, he's talking about these people. They were very zealous for the law. They were very passionate. And when you read the verse that follows, they say that being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. And there are those times in life where we are thinking about these things that we have connected ourselves to in life. We have known them growing up. We have known them to be true. I have known this song and I have learned the truth. Because repeatedly, many times, it has been sung at a funeral. You cannot tell me it is a worship song to be sung at home. And so that is what I knew. Zeal, very passionate to tell people the truth that is wrong. And so here, these guys is talking about them, how they were so passionate about something, but they did not know what they were passionate about. And this is the story of many pastors in Uganda. And a lot of times, I remember this one time after a conference, one pastor comes up and he says, thank you so much for being here. Because I have been preaching for the last more than 10 years, and people have not been changing. And you could feel his pain. I want to serve, I want there to be change, but I've been preaching and preaching, and there has not been change. But you have helped me today. It's a very painful thing to live life without knowing. 
to go through life without knowing what things should be like. When I was planning to fly to this place, I got to the airport very excited, and I'm leaving. And, and, and I, got, I got there, I started checking, you know, weighed my bags, checked them through. So I go to the counter and I put my passport there and, and they're like, uh, I think there's a problem. Like, well, I have the visa, I have the ticket. And they said, you don't have a return ticket. I'm like, uh, do I need a return ticket? I'm not flying back right now. I am flying to the place. They say, you, ca you cannot leave the country without a return ticket. I'm like, oh, that is simple. I will just, you know, I'm just running out of time. Can I just go through and in the meantime, I will get a return ticket. So you cannot leave this airport without a return ticket. Now I began to think, okay, <laughs> there's got to be something wrong here because, okay, what I'm trying to tell you is I have 30 minutes before the gates close and I need to go through here because somebody has been very careful to pay for the flight and if I don't fly out, that means that money is going to be lost. I need to go through. So you cannot leave without a return ticket. I didn't know that. I left home thinking, this is what I need. I need my visa and I need my ticket. Only to realize that, mm -mm, that is not all you need. And I almost missed being in America and bringing Uganda to Redeemer. <laughs> But a lot of times when you think about the things that you do not know, there's a lot that can change. It can change your life so much because you do not know. And we are blessed as Christians that we have the Word of God. And the first time I was here, I felt like, okay, this is an amazing place. Because I came to a place where you have pastors who understand how to explain Scripture. And every opportunity, I was moving around with Slim and, and with Jeff, and I was thinking like, okay, I need to just enjoy, just take in whatever they're doing. How do they do it? I'm, you know, how do they explain? How do they approach the different scripture? Because I, I felt like, okay, this is such an enriching time. I went back to Uganda, and I wanted to share this with everybody. And, I, and, and before I came back, we had a, a training for about 30 youth pastors coming together in a training camp. Very new experience. And each one of them just came back to me today and said, I want to invite more of my friends. A lot of people want to be a part of this. Okay? Can, can you, can we organize? Can we work something out? It's, I would love so many of my fellow youth pastors to be a part of this. Because they were passionate. It's at the time that they realized we did not know. We did not know. And it can be a very painful thing to go through life without knowing. And here is Paul speaking to us that, you know, they, he can be a witness. They have a certain zeal, but it is not according to knowledge. For they have chosen to establish their own righteousness. It is very hard a lot of times to let go of that one thing that you have thought in life to be so precious. If you think about your life, what is that something that you have felt that this is the most precious thing to me? A lot of times it's very hard to let it go. You cannot let it go. And for, for, for the Jews and the Pharisees, yeah, I'm thinking it was the law. The law is what described them. They could connect to the law. If anybody was thinking about the law, they would think about them, the Jews, the masters of it. They know it. They have it. This is the right thing. 
you cannot tell people that they don't need it because then they don't need us. And so we need this to be true. You cannot take this away from us. And what I was thinking about how or what they might have been thinking, I thought about the time when I lost my mom. It was such a painful time because my mom, growing up, she was the one love that I knew. She was the woman who would tell me, my last born means a lot to me. Beautiful words that even made my older siblings feel jealous. And I enjoyed to take that in every time. You know, I would visit, I would visit her and she would go around the village just telling everybody, my son has come to visit me. And I was, she would go work and at the end of the month she would get her money and say, "Uh, yeah, this is the money that I got, will you keep it for me? And it was just like that. The one person who trusted me, loved me. I enjoyed being with her. But this one time, we got that call and they said that she had died. It was two years after I'd given my life to Jesus Christ. And I knew that all things are possible. And so when I had that news, I didn't want to take it in. I refused to take it in. It was sad. And so when we went for burial, I remember standing over her dead body and, and praying to God. I laid my hands and I said, God, I have heard that you can resurrect the dead. Now is the time that I need you to do this. And ev- all the people who had come to mourn were looking at me and saying, I think it's going nuts. I think mm, it's going nuts. They just kept speaking am- among us themselves. I didn't care what they thought. I had lost something so precious to me, I wasn't ready to let it go. I came back again and again. If it didn't work the first time, I came back and and, and I prayed. I said, God, I need you to resurrect my mom. And I kept watching for her to rise up. I had heard these stories in the Bible and I just needed it to happen that very moment because I was not ready to let go of something so precious in my life. And a lot of times we all have precious things in life, things that we have held so dear. For the uh, Jews, it seemed like they had held the law even beyond God. And sometimes there are things we hold in life, they become like gods to us. This is my precious. This is who I am. This is what makes me strong, stronger than anything else. And so I will not let it go. I will not let go of my time. I need to do this. I will not let go of this. My life, I remember this one time when I had these shoes and this very nice shirt when I was a little boy. And I, I only got them out on Christmas. If it was not Christmas, I wasn't going to put them. We, we used to call them sneakers. And it was my, my first pair of shoes, beautiful shoes. It was white. Now remember my shirts were white, only coming out on Christmas. My precious thing, I will not let it go because I am not ready. If I lose this, then I have nothing. And I am thinking that while Paul was going through all of this because he was taking the law away from what defined who the Jews were, he, they were thinking, we will not let this go. We will not let this go. And I don't know what it is in our lives today as we think about that. If there is something that you're thinking, okay, I will not let this go. Verse 3, he says, 
for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. And all he's saying here is we need to let go of the other things that we have connected ourselves to and let God be our everything. We cannot change a thing. And, 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 and Slim was talking about how I, was, I prayed at the game. And, and I got this message a while ago. And, and I, I was thinking, okay, are you going to pray at the game? I said, um, I have been there. Last year I was there for the TCU game. There is a lot of people there. Uh, so I began to think, okay, so what am I going to pray? I'm going to pray that Baylor wins. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What if Baylor does not win? <laughs> well, let me think about that again. And, and I, I started to think about, okay, I don't know if this is exactly a good idea, but if I pray, Baylor needs to win, okay, so that I could at least say my prayer worked. I need, okay, everything, everything that describes me is if I pray and Baylor wins, that is what I need. And, you know, a lot of times that's what we are thinking, that I need to make it happen. I, it's about me. I, I need to do it. When I do this, it, it has to happen. And God kept teaching me over time that, hey, it is not about you. It's not about your prayer. I am working. Just be a part of what I'm doing. It is about what God is doing at that particular time. And so, thinking about this, just as Paul says here, that being ignorant of the righteousness of God, they are seeking to establish their own righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To everyone who believes, it is not about the law. It is not about what we can do or what we do to make things happen. It is not about our effort. It is about what God is doing. And from the last time I was here, I went back to Uganda, and I was thinking, how am I going to be able to change, do what I need to do? How, am I, how do I put this together? I went back and... We have been serving in different regions, traveling back and forth and going to equip pastors. And every region, one at a time, we have had pastors just feel like so refreshed. And more than the effort and the energy we use, it is very refreshing just to hear the pastor say, this has changed my life. This I am looking forward to going back to my congregation so I can share them to, with them the truth. Because not knowing has ruined so many uh, churches, so many pastors' families. One pastor came to us and he said that my family, my wife, he, she left me. She left me because I didn't know how to balance my family and ministry. So she left. But I am glad that at least I, I have learned. And I, I was listening to that and I wish I thought... I wish we came sooner. It would have helped that pastor or many others. And so we have been moving back and forth. And before I came here, like I mentioned, that we've been uh, training youth pastors and bringing them to places. More than 78% of, that is probably eight, 28 million of Ugandans are below the age of 30. And just serving and 
having these people leading hundreds of young people without knowing what they are doing, it is a very, it's a very sad thing. And so we've been planning and putting everything together just to make sure that we can bring knowledge. I was blessed to be here at Redeemer. Probably not every youth pastor will be blessed to be here at Redeemer. And so if I receive something so precious here, I want to take it back and give it to everybody. So that I am not the only one who knows, but that everybody would know. And that is what Paul is saying, that it is my prayer for them that they will be saved. They will come to this true knowledge. And so it has been such a blessing to be a part of what God is doing. Not because I can, but because God can do it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so I am blessed to be a part of what God is doing here. And we're going to be spending a lot of time sharing what God is doing and how many of us can be a part of what God is doing in Uganda. And I'm looking forward, and I'm definitely also looking forward to uh, meeting the married couples. Eh? Look, about <laughs> Look about how I can be a better husband. Eh? All right. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to just uh, sharing with all of you, moving around and sharing what God is doing in Uganda. And how we can be a part of the great change, the transformation that God is bringing in Uganda. And so it is such a blessing to be here. But let me just read through um, this again. He says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And I, I pray that as we we'll even um, continue through this service and go back, we will think about it's the righteousness of God. It is not our own, that we shall not establish our own righteousness. That we shall not establish our own little kingdoms or gods or build our own gods. But we will think about Christ. Who is Christ to us? And that we will seek to know and that we will be transformed by the truth of his word. Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> 